I'm Dr. Gene Hansen. For more than 25 years, I've been answering your financial questions on Atlanta's longest-running and most respected money show on radio. This is Money Talks, providing honest, straightforward answers to your financial questions. This broadcast of Money Talks originally aired Saturday, June 3rd, 2017. The only thing we have to fear the economic health of this nation has been... The excessive decline in the dollar. Welcome. This is Money Talks. Good morning, good morning. You're listening to Money Talks, Atlanta's longest-running, most respected money show on the radio. I'm Troy Harmon. I'm here today with Shauna Theriot. Did I say it right? You did. Finally. Shauna T. (laughs) That's right. All right. Shauna T, the CFP, and the CPA. That's right. So if you have tax questions or financial planning questions, maybe not even in that order, she can help. (laughs) Also have Jarrett McKenzie. Yes, sir. Jarrett's among my favorite uh, (laughs) co-hosts, Sean. Glad to be back. No disrespect to you, but um, it's not often that we have a guy that we can... uh, Poke fun at and have a good time. He once yeah, in a while he he drops small objects while we're on the air, and makes all kind of racket. Yeah, I, we're trying to we're trying to win some radio awards here. We got to keep it mixed you're, up. You're keep right. We're going to win you know? the radio award. Well, really? Yeah, man with the best face for radio. <laughs> That's right, Jarrett McKenzie. Exactly. There we go. Anyway, so uh, we got uh, pretty good news out of the market this week. It seems like politics keeps rolling on, and seems like. The news is not good for our new president week after week after Mm -hmm. week, and yet the market continues uh, to add to its rally that actually began uh, before he became president, actually about the time we saw the election results go in his favor. Market up this week almost 1%. Uh, How does this keep happening, Troy? <laughs> well, you I keep mean, saying it's going down, Jared. That's I, exactly. I'm really starting to believe that. I'm not, that's you know. the contrarian effect. Exactly. Didn't you say really that? Yeah. That's what that's it right. is. That's so you just keep saying that, and we'll just keep getting At first, returns. it was a joke, and now yeah. I'm like actually affecting the markets. <laughs> you so are. I'm a market mover. <laughs> you are. Sudden, you know. <laughs> mover and a shaker. Yeah. Well, uh, next thing you know, the farmers are going to be asking you to make it rain. Of course, we've had plenty of that oh, lately. Have you been dancing? Look at that. Quite the dance. You should see it. Yeah. You should see it. I'll. Check Show it out it when you it's after. on YouTube. How about that? Yeah. yeah. I want to do it on air. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's uh, not the best thing. Visual effects don't work well on the radio. I don't know if you're aware uh, of that. Well, that was, that was kind of a joke. Oh, thanks. thanks. <laughs> I'm catching up. How about that? Yeah. Well, you oh, are another tough. year older today, aren't that's you? That's right. How do we it, let it you is, sneak yeah. by with Well, no, day? I'm just actually another day older, <laughs> but mm. the count has... So, I, I completed one more trip around the sun. That's right. Troy Harmon, Slower folks, to catch up now. The big 5-0. Oh, yeah. yeah. Have no. you made your catch-up contribution yet? Uh, no. What are you doing? Good Lord, no. Troy. I, I'm a day into this. I know. This... Come he's on, not, who's your plan? should have planned. You're absolutely CFP. right. I, I am not a CFP. And, you know, I'm working on a, something else, but it's not the CFP. You're right, Sean. Mm, that's mm-hmm. right. Anyway, one day. Well, yes, happy one birthday, Troy. You guys see him out. <laughs> oh, yeah. Happy birthday. Yeah. Are you going to sing and I'll be the guy with a pointy hat and the noisemaker. 
Well, if we run low on material today, you might get a happy birthday song out of me. I don't oh, know. Wow. We'll see. Wow. Better I, just I, talk I hope long. we run low on we material. In fact, I'm going to throw some things away right now. <laughs> oh, that's good just stuff. So we get it. Uh, all right. So for the week, uh, Telecom actually has rebounded from its place toward the bottom of the list. This week, we're up 2.37% in uh, telecommunication services. Uh, consumer discretionary is up 2.34% on the week. Wow. Uh, big loser, Energy. How in the world? I mean, I thought we had this huge rally in energy earlier in the year, really more into late last year. Um, but uh, energy's down almost 3% this week and for the year down 12%. 12%. Doesn't it usually start to tick back up in the summertime? I mean, I, it seems that that's sort of been the trend. Well, our costs I know my tend energy to go up. Right. Yeah. Yeah. right. Yeah, our costs go up, but it doesn't always uh, translate to the stock market. So uh, what's been going on lately is, uh, you know, you didn't have to listen too close to see that uh, – uh, discussions between uh, the OPEC nations, most mm-hmm. specifically Saudi Arabia, have uh, have been in the manner of we're going to reduce our supply so that the price will go up, and yet it seems like that just hasn't really panned out so far, uh, at least you know for stocks, energy prices, uh, the price of crude oil is is kind of did they make the reduction though? Or are you saying well. it hasn't happened that the price has moved or yeah, that the well, reduction's been made? Yeah, well, here's here's the news. Uh, last week we got this thing that uh, said that they were going to extend their their reduction in supply for about nine months. The reduction wasn't enough to satisfy the market. So, um, yeah, it's news heading in the right direction, but you know how it goes, it's just not enough. Uh, yeah. To uh, to satisfy what the market thinks it's going to take to make uh, crude oil prices rise, so uh, it's kind of a weird spot. Um, I uh, I used to think that energy investments were were an awesome thing. You know, you you see uh, a little more these days the the management that that uh, Saudi Arabia is putting into uh, the supply, which does affect the price. Uh, they're over. They for a long time, for about 18 months, they oversupplied the market, trying to kill uh, our Bakken shale crude out of North Dakota. Uh, they were successful in that to some degree. The only problem was they also uh, drove prices below where their government is sustainable, because obviously mm-hmm. their whole economy relies on the price of oil uh, being sufficient to be able to supply uh, their all of the the operations of their their uh, economy with uh, uh, with cash flow, so uh, cause themselves a little bit of headache, kind of the old adage, cutting off your nose to spite your face uh, situation. Yeah. And now they're they're still they haven't gotten it stabilized exactly. And as soon as the price gets over, you know, arguably forty five dollars somewhere in that range, then you started to see Bach and Shell um, exploration begin again. Uh, so a lot of the, uh, the the price, the little bit higher price now that we're seeing is is uh, uh, going to benefit more uh, production in the United States. So uh, they're in a weird spot. So buy an opportunity. No matter what, I, tw- down twelve percent for the year. Generally I mean, speaking, I would say yes. But again, you know, when you've got a market that's not uh, pricing uh, using a, the uh, uh, the long term, you know. Intersection between supply and demand, mm-hmm. uh, you're you're going to have that artificially low price, and it can be managed for a while. So, uh, you know, I'd, I if it were a, a normal market, not so much managed, I'd be all over it. But uh, at this point, I'm I'm still a little bit uh, nervous saying 
go all in in energy. But sure. uh, anyway, still down uh, 12% year to date. The other loser, telecom, uh, although it was up pretty significantly for the week, it's still down year over year or year to date rather, uh, over seven and a half percent. The only two negative sectors uh, in the market, financials, took a hit this week as well. Uh, losing uh, almost 3%. The banks got kicked around pretty hard this week. Um, and uh, if you look at the yield curve, uh, since the beginning of the year, the uh, two-year treasury versus the 10-year treasury has lost. That's the, the spread. You know, we look at the steepening of a curve. Steepening, steepening of the yield curve means that the, uh, the long-term rate is, is uh, growing relative to the, the short-term rate, which generally benefits banks because they borrow short-term and they lend it out long-term, uh, which allows them to make their profit. Uh, you look year-to-date, and we've lost about 0.33% from that, which doesn't sound like a lot, but it's pretty significant. Um, you know, when we were thinking that lower regulation was going to really benefit banking, uh, in the end, that interest rate uh, differential is, is uh, more important, or so it seems at the moment. Financials still positive on the year, but they're only up 1.3%. The overall market up 9.3% year-to-date. So, um, you know, that's kind of what we have in the financial markets. Uh, got a lot of economic news out this week. Um, no, we won't have time to run through it all. We got a new revision of uh, gross domestic product for uh, first quarter 2017. Initial report was 0.7% positive. Uh, we got a a revision up to 1.2%. Looks like consumer spending uh, has slowed dramatically. You look at uh, a little bit of the detail within the report. Um, real disposable income increased 1.7%. Um, beyond that, uh, biggest news was the top line growth was much bigger than uh, than the the uh, initial report. We get one more revision of this before we start seeing details on the second quarter. Uh, durable goods uh, slipped 0.7% in April, mainly driven by non-defense aircraft segment uh, university. And we had a weird situation, and uh, I think it's probably worth talking about. University of Michigan consumer sentiment comes out, um, barely moved in May, but uh, the details are interesting relative to our consumer confidence that comes out from the uh, from uh, the uh, confidence board, um, wherein current situation in the consumer sentiment survey at a University of Michigan said that we had uh, uh, lesser uh, numbers in the current situation and more positive expectations. It was just the opposite when we see the government's number come out. So uh, hard to say exactly what's going on there, but it definitely is uh, something that we'll continue to watch. Uh, let's I guess break right here, guys, and we'll come back. We'll have a dog of the week, and uh, we'll uh, we'll have more uh, qu- answers to questions from listeners. Right. Take care. We're listening to Money Talks. It's time for the. I, uh, I've been reading a lot this week about uh, robotics and how robotics are going to take everybody's job. And uh, I think 
aptly named the dog of the week. You know Google's got this thing out. It's not of the week. It's like from 2015. Have you guys ever seen the videos on uh, Google with uh, their new dog they call Spot? It's new. It's a couple so. of years old. Okay. Well, you ought to check I it out. It was Target. N- no. <laughs> well, they have one too. This guy is not marketing. This is a real robot dog that uh, that Google has worked together with a company that they bought, Boston Dynamics, I believe is the name of the company. Uh, you can go to the go to the uh, internet and check it out. Just type type in uh, Google robot dog spot, and you'll see what I mean. But uh, one of the things that I wanted to talk about related to uh, robotics, I see this uh, this story about how um, so this is a real yeah. dog of the week then it's a robot dog of the week well, you know what's strange about this since you are going to want to talk more about this uh, <laughs> they show this dog it's uh you know got a uh, internal combustion engine i think that runs it and it's thinking run up hills and do all kind of things but they'll stand next to it and kick the dog the robot dog uh as if they were going to knock it over and the thing is got so much technology in it you can't kick the dog over you almost, you, well, exactly. It's, this is not a flesh and blood animal. This is a robot. Well, it's but, got uh, life, but it's robotics. It probably has feelings, right? Don't they build feelings yeah, into these know. things? This artificial intelligence doesn't so come is, with artificial is, emotions. I don't think. What does Spot do? I mean, is he so he just does? I, well, they're the saying do, that or? they think that it's got some uh, some usefulness in military and and uh, uh-huh. uh, police work potentially. Uh, you know, you could pack it up like a pack mule and have it carry your equipment, you know, off off the road into the woods uh, in, in various ways. So uh, I did want to talk about the uses for robotics. Actually, um, a lot of folks are saying they're worried. This has been the, the, the worry since the dawn of time, right? This new technology is going to take our job. Uh, we saw uh, hundreds of years ago when automobiles came along, it, it changes uh, industry. You no longer have to worry about horses and buggies. And sure. The buggy whip, I think, is often uh, elicited in this conversation. But uh, the thing that uh, that really prompted it is they're saying that Dubai police are going to use robotic uh, police officers. They're saying maybe as much as 25% of their police force they're looking to have as uh, robots. And, and the way that theirs will work um, is going to be face recognition, and, and uh, people can come up and tattle on each other to the robot and have it reported to the police. So, uh, you know, you've got, you've got uh, these roving robots that will uh, uh, look around and see who's in a crowd, if they should happen to see a, a backpack or some bag left unattended. They can alert uh, real human cops. Uh, to come over and check it out. But as I read through this, it was uh, even more interesting. Some of the other uses, uh, uh, India is using drones for uh, crowd control. you got the Republic of the Congo is actually using these huge, they're like 17, 18-foot robots that tower over a crowd, and they're using them for uh, uh, crowd control as well. Um, mm. Not only that, but they have, uh, they, they'll have, they've got obviously two arms, and these arms, one of them will go up and, and uh let traffic pass. It'll have a green flag in its hand, and the other has a red flag, and traffic's supposed to pay attention. If you're driving, pay attention to the robot. Uh, they can uh, use it for all, you know, crowd control as well. Uh, they've even got one that they're using in Greece uh, for, uh, it's it's like a small boat, but it's made out of a, uh, a personal flotation device. So 
you know, when they see they're, they're using this for Syrian refugee, refugees, which mm. seem to be a, in the news all over the place lately. Uh, but if they had a, a boat with Syrian refugees that capsized or was overfilled or whatever the reason, uh, they can run this robot out to uh, allow people who are in distress to catch hold of it. It's got a thousand foot rope attached to it. And they, you know, once people cling on to it, then they can pull them to safety. Um, Another robot they've got, a a flying drone that will catch other drones. Why in the world you've got, it's got a net on it. Uh, You know, it flies up and has a net attached and uh, uh, discharges this net and will knock down another drone. drone. So So have we looked at how to invest in this? I mean, how how do you, what's the best way to own it? Yeah, uh, the problem is outside of Google, who has, you know, put quite a bit of money into the, uh, robotics. robotics that I was talking about initially, and it's not their main business. So, you know, Google's an advertising company. It's uh, Internet-based. It's probably, uh, for the most part, going to be that way for a long time. But, um, you know, it's not something that's going to move the needle if these robots really come to to uh, be a part of our everyday life. But if you dig into it just a little bit, you can see the many uses that people have come up with for robots and drones and um, remotely controlled vehicles uh the one that i was talking about in dubai they've they've got it's a a humanoid robot so it looks somewhat like a human but it's you know it's got wheels and rolls around they do have a bipod uh type robot that's similar to this as well but the thing will shake your hand and salute it's just exactly what you want in a nice friendly police robot right (laughs) yeah But uh, anyway, I I still will finish this up by saying that uh, no matter what the situation, I don't believe that a robot is going to take too many jobs. Most people will find, uh, you know, the new technology in a way to to, uh, become uh, gainfully employed in a new uh, in, in the environment, including that new technology. So anyway, dog of the week spot, Google dog, Google it. You'll see what I'm talking about. It's pretty interesting stuff. All right, guys, so we've got... Uh, situation, I like to call them, since uh, Bill says you say uh, whatever the other word is that I've wiped from right. my mind and people go to sleep. We don't want to put anyone to sleep, especially if they're driving. So, uh, guys, uh, what do we got this week for our well, financial situation? You know, most of these situations actually, well, I should say some of these situations are structured to convey certain points that we want to make. Uh, and, and a lot of times that's what we end up doing. But in this case, uh, we actually are seeing very much of what uh, Alex and Terry, who are uh, our case study folks this time, uh, are, are going through because this sort of revolves around the fact that the market is still, as of the recording date of this show, hovering around some all-time highs. And, right. you know, it's, it, it makes it very uh, challenging to determine, okay, well, if I want to put new money to work, so to speak, then how should I go about that? And that's really what Alex and Terry are faced with here in terms of putting money into the market. They want to continue investing. They certainly don't want to hang on uh, to the cash that they have or their monthly savings amounts uh, that they've been saving and so really are being faced with the decision on whether or not to put that all to work up front. Uh, if they're going to wait, how, how spread out should they uh, put in to the market, uh, and, and over, you know, what time frame? Some folks, uh, we, we do this often for our clients, uh, especially ones that have large sums of money that maybe they've acquired through an inheritance or, uh, you know, even, even rollovers, uh, a lot of times that come over and just have a substantial amount of cash. The question is always in markets like this, okay, well, then how quickly do we enter in to the market? And that can vary, you know, depending on, 
how the client feels about the market, which is one of the first things I always like to do. And in this case, if I were working with Alex and Terry, would want to kind of get their feelings about where uh, the market stands because it, it is uh, interesting to get the client's take on this a lot of times to say, well, some still feel it's got room to go, and that you know this may be based on what they're hearing on TV or otherwise, while others are very hesitant to get into the market at all. But as we talk about very often, you know, not getting into the market, you know, could cause you to miss one of those ten best days that, sure. that we always talk about. So, it is a very real dilemma, I'll call it, uh, and one in which um, it's not the same answer for everyone. You know, right. your dollar cost averaging strategy might be different than mine and which might be different than Shauna's or Alex and Terry's. And so uh, this is something we wanted to address right now, given where the market's at. And it's something that seems to be so common with new money uh, that we're helping clients with at, at this point in time. And so uh, I don't know that there is a right answer uh, that would apply across the board. It's more of how do you feel? You know, if in 12 months do you see us entering a downturn, entering a recession or otherwise, maybe you want to spread it out a little more. Some folks want to go 18 or 24 months. With my clients, I'll typically do it over a monthly basis, uh, you know, across the course of a year or maybe quarterly, depending on how quickly they want to get into the market. Uh, very rarely do I go beyond the 12 to 18 months, uh, but it all kind of uh, is based on how the client feels, in my opinion, uh, because they can feel so differently from person to person. So part of Alex and Terry's situation would be dependent upon, uh, in, in my opinion, how they feel about the market. And I don't know, I know both of you guys are very involved in our dollar cost averaging process. I don't know what, what your feelings would be about someone who said, let's just say a million dollars. We've had a couple of these lately with folks have a million dollars in cash. They want to put it to work. Well, not only how do we do that, but how quickly do we do that? Right, the timing. Right. Yeah. And, and, of course, we don't time the market, so it is a no. matter of – But but there is a decision to, make, to be made about timing. And as you said, Jared, uh, just how quickly do you want to get into the market? And uh, to be honest with you, I think it warrants a little more time when the market seems to be at a top. Uh, you can't tell exactly what's going to happen next, but uh, we can see valuations relative to longer-term averages. And I've talked about this uh, a few weeks ago with Bill. Uh, the market looks a little expensive right now. And, and what I've encouraged people to do is make sure that – if you are already invested, to make sure that you rebalance your account, make sure that it's, uh, uh, you know, it, it uh, reflects uh, your your long term strategy. Because what can happen over time is uh, you can get uh, kind of out of whack. It's probably good that we give that a little more time, but we do need to take a quick break. And uh, when we come back, let's flesh that out a little more, Jerry. Absolutely. All right. Well, we're going to take a quick break. You're listening to Money Talks. Don't touch that dot. You gotta make the money first. Then when you get the money, you get the power. Then when you get the power, then you get the woman. This is Money Talks. Top right. five movie of all time. Is that what it is? Yours? Definitely or one. Just well, yeah, it should well, be anyone, <laughs> but yes, just mine. Jared is willing to share his opinion with anyone, and if they don't accept your opinion right. sharing, they're still fine in your eyes? Or? Mm, I don't yeah. know. He's a big guy. I don't he's, know that I would well, he's Yeah, you know, it really just like depends. that big and opinionated. <laughs> anyway, uh, who would have thought? Yeah. Uh, 
All right, you're listening to Money Talks. When we left last, we were talking about dollar cost averaging and whether or not we get into the market. I rambled on for a minute about uh, you know where we are in the market as far as valuation, which is something that I look at quite a bit. And uh, I'll, I'll be honest, it looks you know the market looks about 20% expensive relative to uh, relative to its longer term history. Sure. So um, when it gets like that, I, there's a couple of things working, and and uh, you know I'm not sounding the warning bell by any stretch of the imagination. What we saw in the first quarter with earnings and the the gains that we made in earnings, what over 15 and a half percent growth. Uh, in earnings year over year, a lot of that from energy and the fact that uh, you know the price has rebounded in uh, in crude oil quite uh, quite a bit since the first quarter of 2016. But uh, you know when I still look at what's going on, it's still got me a little nervous about pounding the table and telling people just go all in. So uh, with a dollar cost average, like I say, you, you know, Jared, you made the point we don't time the market. By that we mean we're not going to tell you to get all in or all out at any given time, but uh, it, sometimes it does make sense to go a little slower as, as when you're putting your money in. Uh, again, I made the point it's a great time to rebalance your portfolio to your long-term strategy, uh, making sure that anything that has outperformed other areas is is brought back, and those pieces that have underperformed, it's probably a good time to to uh, put a little more money, allocate a little more money to those sectors as well. Sure. Um, There's other things that I take into consideration. So right now, in fixed income or cash is still earning little to nothing. Absolutely. So e- even if you invested in you know, dividend-paying stocks, you're getting cash flow on it even if it does pull back. Sure. So I look at it as, you know, what am I investing in? If you're investing in dividend-paying stocks or a portfolio of dividend-paying stocks such as we have here, then sometimes I do increase that a little faster just given to get the dividend going, okay, because that's the point of the portfolio. Um, I also look at, to your point, a rollover. So if you've rolled over money, I look at, well, how much was invested in growth? Because typically when you roll money over, they sell it from what you were invested in and put it in cash and send you a check. So if you're invested 100% in the stock market and you come over here and it's sitting in cash and we're trying to decide how fast to put that in, you know, it just, it obviously depends on what you said, the feeling of what the market is, but also, you know, I may invest that a little faster to get get it going too because it was already in growth. Um, if you look at the market, I, I always love these statistics that we've put together um, in looking at past historical markets, sure. and this is on average. Um, the market dips 5% three times a year, 10% uh, once a year, and then 15% every two years. So if you look at the averages when your dollar cost averaging and looking at at least a 12-month period, you have a potential to take advantage of some dips during the year as well. Right. Yeah, That's it's the been... thing that I always think about when I'm you know, looking at a lump sum, even though the market could look relative a little expensive it's still there's no place else to invest your money to get that type of return. You know, we look at it as a long term investment, Absolutely. obviously. And um, and then you think of the averages and the dips that you've seen. And that's that's an argument to say we should dollar cost average just, you know, so that you're not entering at one. You're not at the mercy of one trading day and you can take advantage if there are those normal average dips that we see. Sure. Yeah. We last time we saw a, a decline in the market greater than 10 percent was uh Early, well, it was kind of the end of December 2015 through February, mid-February right. of 2016, and then we did see a decline about seven or eight percent, something like that, before the election, uh, which you know I've talked about before. Generally indicates that you're going to see a change in the the uh, power uh, leading up to elections. 
Uh, we ignored that and still said we thought that Hillary was going to win, but the media was telling us the same thing, and uh, it seems like all the polls were giving us that same indication. point is, it's been a while since we saw a 10% decline when you expect them on an annual basis. We're about 18 months out from our previous. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, they don't come like clockwork. You can't really set your, set your watch and expect that it's going to happen any given time. Uh, usually they're news-driven, and it makes it even uh, more protracted when we do see a market that looks a little expensive. So, again, uh, you know, that's the basis of, of my commentary. Uh, sure. Sean, as you pointed out, uh, we look at the statistics, the long-run averages, and, you know, we, we kind of keep it in the back of our mind, but we still uh, expect to stay invested uh, if our long-term strategy calls for it. Your point about uh, fixed income, uh, when you've got inflation that's about 2.1 mm-hmm. and uh, you have to take some pretty significant risk in order to get over 2% uh, return. You're negative returning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you can't beat inflation, then you're losing purchasing power, which mm-hmm. uh, doesn't make a whole lot of sense. The only reason that we try to sit uh, assets uh, into fixed income is so that we can avoid the volatility of the equities market and still save, uh, you know, the client's purchasing power while we're waiting on spending uh, that has been planned out uh, in, in advance. So, um, right, a if, ten-year rule. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if once once we run a financial plan, we try to uh, identify the uh, the spending needs within the next ten years and set aside uh, capital in fixed income securities that have limited volatility and those that we feel absolutely secure that we won't have a bankruptcy. Now, I say absolutely secure. Obviously, there's no guarantees in the financial markets, but if you try to buy and maintain that that high-quality standard in fixed income, we have found that over long periods of time it generally works out. And, you know, most of the fixed income investments we've been making these days, just because the yield in that high-quality space uh, is better in them, is CDs, and we make sure that they have insurance behind them, the, the uh, FDIC insurance. So, you know, Sean, we're going to have to make some room for this guy in the planning department. Oh, hey, look, <laughs> I, am, I am a friend of planners. <laughs> you can just call me the FOP. I love it. I love it's it. the same as fraternal order of police. It's just a little different with me. Well, you know what? Sounds uh, official. Yeah, so well, of course. Maybe, and maybe this would have been better prefaced with this entire conversation to kind of start here, but there's really, in my mind, two main points that we're really looking to to accomplish when we're dollar cost averaging the first i believe would be to sort of minimize the risk of you entering in the market at uh, an inopportune time right but then by definition and second point is to lower your average cost per share so for those of you listening and i know this is not the first time we've talked about dollar cost averaging but if you if you're not familiar with the term that that basically is what you're trying to do by averaging yourself into the market is lower the average cost per share over time. Now, of course, that won't be the case if the market's rising while you do this. However, uh, it is minimizing the risk of you entering the market at a time when it is so high, uh, and then, you know, of course, falling subsequently. So, yeah, well, if you think about point. it too, that's what's important to be diversified because even when your right. dollar cost averaging, there may be things that are down, even though the overall market is up, such as energy mm-hmm. right. or some yeah. other sector. Yeah, very true. Yeah, absolutely, and and that is a good point. Dollar cost averaging, you can you can just do the math real quick. Doesn't work through every uh, period of the market, but when you have volatility, without a doubt, it does. Mm-hmm. And uh, we know that the market tends to be volatile. We haven't had a whole lot of that since 2009, to be honest. But uh, uh, sure. you know, we still expect that that potential for volatility is still there, so we still act in that same manner. Yeah, and and when you're dollar cost averaging into that up market, is that going to hurt your performance? Probably so, because you would have missed 
out on some of that return that you would have otherwise gotten had you been there. But I find that so many people really don't place any value at all on that opportunity cost that they're willing to accept up front in terms of in order to minimize the risk of me entering in the market at this time because it being it's you know with it being so high then I'm actually reducing my risk and there's a value in that you know it's it's hard to see that value when you look back at it and the market's gone up and it's right. like okay well I, I missed out on this return well yeah but that's because you reduced your you reduced the level of risk you were taking on by doing that and so if that's valuable to you if that's if it's meaningful to you on on the front end then I think it's very hard to put a quanti- quantifiable value on that but it does get overlooked because we have to have these conversations with clients when we dollar cost average yeah. and the market goes up and then it's like, well, I'm trailing the market. Well, yeah, of course you are. You know, you've had cash sitting on the sideline or in sure. fixed income while we dollar cost average it. Jared, it's it's funny you bring that up because now I'm going to invite you into the research department. These are the kind of things that we talk about uh, when, when we'll you're talking places. about that. Uh, well, why don't we just work together, which is what we're supposed to be doing anyway. What? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you and I are on the same team, believe it or not. Uh, so here's the way that works, and you can't actually quantify that. It's called uh, the Sharpe Ratio. It's a, yeah. a concept of return uh, based on the amount of risk that you're taking. How much risk are you taking to get a similar return? And, you know, the math is pretty simple. It probably doesn't work well on radio, but I'll go ahead and throw it out there. It's the return on your portfolio minus the risk-free rate, which is considered to be uh, mm-hmm. basically treasury. a 20-year treasury yield, divided by the standard deviation of the portfolio, which is uh, the difference on a daily basis uh, relative to the average uh, daily return. On, on a stock or a, a stock portfolio. So uh, all things considered, uh, you can quantify that. Uh, we've seen and done a lot of work as to what actually works best with a, a beta, which is, uh, you know, return relative to the market. And it seems like over long periods of time, a beta less than one, meaning a portfolio that mm-hmm. goes up less and goes down less than the overall market, tends to give you that uh, that better return. But uh, we got several other questions to uh, answer. What we're going to do right now, though, is take one more break, and uh, we'll come back and give you a way that you can contact us, and uh, we'll talk about uh, some questions that we've gotten from listeners. Stick around. You're listening to Money Talks. We'll be right back. Money talks. A little bit of Phil Collins right, studio in the st- studio. Is your little 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 Jim from uh, Troy's high school prom uh, no. takes him taking him right on back. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if that's far enough back. Uh, oh, that's my, right. He turned the big five over today. Yeah, yeah man. Prom. I, there were there were a whole lot of. Uh, um, the maroon suit you wore. The maroon yeah. suit. <laughs> so you were, is there like an earth, wind, you and fire? You put me back in the 70s. <laughs> yeah, this yeah. Is, I was not from the 70s. Come on. <laughs> I was still a teenager in the 70s. Anyway. But, uh, 
I thought uh, you should do ahead. that for Halloween. Go that ahead. Would be cute. Your, that would be really cute. Fun. Have your fun. <laughs> Halloween's always fun around here. Somebody yeah. this year dressed a female, oh, dressed up like me. That was hilarious. Didn't she win? I think she did. I think she, she won. I, she should have won. She won. I voted my vote. for her. I mean, yeah. who would not deservedly so? I don't know. Yeah, She's kind of more handsome than you. <laughs> I know. <laughs> well, that don't take a lot. I know. Anyway. It was hilarious. <laughs> all right. So enough of the foolishness and making fun of Troy. <laughs> I'm all of a sudden not liking this the radio tables show. tables have turned. <laughs> yes, they have a little. <laughs> all right. If you uh, have questions you'd like for us to answer on the air, you can always get in touch with us at uh, 770-429-9166. You'll call. A human will answer. Or you can call our uh, question hotline. And we do actually have a question today from the question hotline. You call 1-855-429-9166. Uh, leave your question, and we will play it and then answer it on the air. Uh, you can also get in touch with us uh, via the uh, email at drgene at hensler.com. That's D-R-G-E-N-E at H-E-N-S-S-L-E-R.com. If you can't remember all that, just remember H-E-N-S-S-L-E-R. You Google that, and you'll find our website, uh, and you can get in touch with us in various different ways. So, guys, let's play this first question. Uh, it's coming from Jonathan from Atlanta concerning Dow Chemical, and here we go. Hi, this is Jonathan from Atlanta. I bought some Dow Chemical shares in January for around $57 a share, uh, and I've been watching the price climb over the past year. I'd like to increase my position, but is now really a good time to buy, or are there other opportunities? So there you have it. Uh, it is now a good time to buy Dow Chemical. Dow is up. Uh, I, it, it's been up as much as uh, almost 65 bucks, um, and uh, at the moment I think it's around 62.50. Uh, if you look at what's going on with Dow, let me let me just stop there and tell you, Dow Chemical is in the uh, the materials sector. The materials sector makes up approximately 3% of the overall market. And I'll be honest, it's it's hard to uh, try to pick winners and losers in such a small space. In order to get full uh, uh, exposure to the sector itself, uh, you'd have to buy more stocks than it's really worth. I mean, most of the time, if you're, if you're going to run an active uh, portfolio, meaning different than the S&P 500 or whatever benchmark you're using, uh, your best still to, to pick, you know, just a few stocks is, is uh, usually most of our portfolios are somewhere between 25 and maybe 65, just depending on the amount of risk in the uh, the space that we're investing. So uh, you're spending a lot of time, basically, is my point, uh, to try to, to uh, get exposure to a sector that doesn't make up a whole lot of weight when it comes to the to the uh, space. So long term so, long term growth expectations out of Dow about six and a half percent. Five year earnings growth has been about ten point uh, almost eleven ten point nine percent. You know you look at uh, you look at the overall s- situation and it just doesn't look like it's um, like there's a lot of benefit to the time you'd have to spend to put. Uh, effort into picking stocks within there. It, too, is overvalued relative to its long-term average, but it's about half as much as the market. And I hate to be talking in those terms, but the reality is, yeah, it looks a little expensive, too, just not as expensive as some of the others. The space where you expect that uh, um, uh, material stocks are going to really outperform is when you're just coming off the bottom of the market. You'll see them move first. Uh, So I, I... 
would be pretty safe, uh, I think, in saying that I don't believe that's where we are in the overall business cycle. We've been in this recovery since 2009. Uh, markets uh, appreciated significantly since then, and uh, you know, I just I just don't see a whole lot of benefit in it. So it is it is a safe stock. It seems like you know something that um, I would call a hold. Uh, sure. But I just couldn't see. Well, if he wants to increase his position, might you recommend the dollar cost average into the position? Uh, well, I mean, if he was going to do that, but I sure I say it's, add to I it. say it's yeah I say yeah. it's a hold. I I'm not going to encourage him to buy more. Sure. Um, especially where I believe we are in the business cycle. Now, don't we use an exchange-traded fund for our exposure to Absolutely. this sector, right? Yeah, we use a, a, a State Street Spider uh, that mm. just gives us exposure to the sector. Most of our clients, that's what we recommend. So, yeah. um, you know, you can you can pick stocks in that space. We do it some, and uh, if there's a, a real attractive right. uh, dividend, you know, you might do something like that. But, but if he is going to add to what he believes to be an expensive position right now, in the way in which you would probably enter that is kind of what we were alluding to sure. earlier in the in the situation. Yeah. Absolutely, right? yeah. yeah. No, that's that's uh, that is. Uh, so, Jonathan, don't buy more, but if you do, <laughs> if you if you would insist on it, right? Yeah. Dollar do, cost average. Do it monthly over the course of however many months you want, and and you know if it if it comes down, then you'll lower your average cost per share, and if not, you're adding to the position and still getting to participate in whatever rally it might be subjected to. Well, there you go. So uh, we have one more audio question, and I'm going to let you guys answer this. I think it's a uh, financial planning type question, so here we go. Hi, this is Amanda. Um, I just graduated. I did get a scholarship a bit for this fall. Um, my question is, how do I know if my scholarship is taxable? I need to know if I need to claim this on my taxes for next year. Thanks so much. There you go, guys. What do you say? It depends if it's qualified expenses. It depends. You it just depends. started it. That's just what accountants like that. always say. You have to learn that yeah. when the designation you're At first, I thought you were taking. making fun of me because I turned 50 and you're talking about depends <laughs> on the radio. Oh, my oh, God. No. Whatever. We should have put a box thanks, on Sean. your desk. Yeah. That would have been funny. You know what? We were oh, already, yeah. already did. I would have laughed and laughed. <laughs> we were going to keep that from the audience, but I'm glad it was you that said it, not us. I'm not that old. <laughs> It has to be used for qualified expenses is the answer. So, you know, tuitions, fees, books, the like. Um, when you're looking at room and board, um, you know, travel, things like that, that is not considered a qualified expense for a scholarship. And so that would be taxable, which is different than a 529 because our, those are considered qualified as far as maybe not travel, but the room and board and um, so you really have to look at, you know, those definitions. Those, exactly. Right. What's being, what the money's being exactly. spent on. All yeah. right. So it depends. Yeah, it does. And that is, that is the ultimate. Say. You're right. And you have a CPA, which makes it at least half of your now vocabulary. Yeah. <laughs> so just watch what you're spending it on, Amanda. I mean, it, it's going to come down to that definition for, you know, for whatever scholarship, fellowship, or grant that you might have received and uh you know if you can just i think the safe bet is is if you keep it to your tuition fees and books that are related to the courses you're taking or their attendance uh because if they're not if you wanted to just some for personal research or otherwise then i don't think it would qualify but uh you know if you can keep it to just covering the costs for your tuition fees books and supplies for those courses uh it, it should not be taxable it should be tax free and and you know again to Sean's point you should probably check with your tax advisor uh, and at least provide the information on, on what you spent it on in order to uh, make that determination. But 
uh, generally, if you're going to spend it on those needs, then you, you wouldn't have to worry about the tax. There you go. Uh, one more real quick. Uh, we got Adam from Wood, Woodstock who says, uh, how long will it take to double my money in the stock market? That's the kind of questions that we just love because <laughs> you want to talk about it depends. Yeah. It depends on a lot. <laughs> so it, it, here's what you can do, though. Uh, there's something called the rule of 72. You take 72, divide it by what you expect your return is going to be. Yeah, that growth rate, right? Uh, yeah, exactly, the growth rate in the market. So, you know, we know that the S&P 500 – uh, over long periods of time, has shown an annual uh, return of about 10.4%. Uh, if you look at the detail like seven. that, yeah, uh, well, if you got 10%, yeah, 7.2 right. years. Uh, if you had a 13% return like we see in smaller companies, uh, you're more on the average of uh, five, and a half, five and a half years to double your money. Now, Sean made the point earlier about, Interest on fixed income, you're talking 20 years at about 2%, 2.5%, something like that. So um, it, it still depends on whatever happens in the market, but you can use that as kind of an indicator as to what you ought to get. Guys, this is it where we ask Jared. Keep this rally going, down. Man. I'm going to say it's going down. I'm going to say it's up. Shauna says it's up. Yeah, there we go. The contra has spoken. I say up. Take care. Money talks. Thanks for listening. All material presented is compiled from sources believed to be reliable and current, but accuracy cannot be guaranteed. The contents are intended for general information purposes only. Information provided should not be the sole basis in making any decisions and is not intended to replace the advice of a qualified professional, such as a tax consultant, insurance advisor, or attorney. Although this material is designed to provide accurate and authoritative information with respect to the subject matter, it may not apply in all situations. This is not to be construed as an offer to buy or sell any financial instruments. It is not our intention to state, indicate, or imply in any manner that current or past results are indicative of future profitability or expectations. Portfolio holdings discussed are subject to change. There is no guarantee that in the future these securities will be held in Hensler accounts. As with all investments, there are associated inherent risks. Please obtain and review all financial material carefully before investing. Hensler is not licensed to offer or sell insurance products. This overview is not to be construed as an offer to purchase any insurance products.